0: Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler.
1: And this is Tony Russo.
0: And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, it's just the two of us, Steph and Tony. And we're talking about literary magazines. The new Dumb Marvel Review just came out, and it reminded us that there are a lot of literary opportunities available here on the shore. So we're going to dive into that topic as well as chat about how writers can get their essays published. So welcome to the podcast, Tony. <laughs> well,
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I thought was interesting this week, because I didn't know I was surprised to to hear it, was that you did a book review in this um, months Delmarva Review and for people who don't know the Delmarva Review is it's called a literary magazine but it's really like a, a book that they put out of some of their favorite essays and short stories and poetry that are submitted over the course of is it an annual thing is it every I
0: think months? so yeah I, I believe the Delmarva Review is an annual uh, journal that, and, they, that they approach
1: <laughs> and they had asked you to do a review of Barbara Lockhart's book Yes, so, I, and I didn't know any of that story at all. So you can tell me when you tell them.
0: Uh, I got an email from Emily Rich, who is the new editor of the Delmarva Review. She was talking with Ron Souter, who's the who was the president of the Eastern Shore Writers Association, and he was basically kind of letting her know as she took the new job, like who to kind of link up with, or you know, different people to talk to to kind of get a sense of.
1: When you're new in an area, you want to know the people who can put you in touch with writers. You want sources for sources.
0: Exactly. And I think the fact that, you know, we have this podcast and, um, you know, we have the Lower Eastern Shore chapter of the Maryland Writers Association, which is different than the Eastern Shore Writers Association. You know, we've got Saltwater Media here. There's a lot of authors kind of coming through. And so I think he kind of pointed her in my direction to say, hey, look, you know, she's somebody, you know, down in Worcester County has, you know, some different contacts. And so anyway, she dropped me an email and we decided to have lunch uh, one day here in Berlin over at the Blacksmith. And we were just sitting down, you know, talking, writing, and different things. And she had been the uh, editor of the Little Patuxent Review.
1: That's always always quality stuff in there.
0: Absolutely, uh, definitely a quality journal. And we were sitting down having lunch, and she was talking about how uh, in the Demarva Review they do some poetry, they do some fiction. And one of the things they have was some book reviews. Somehow or another in the conversation, it came up about that I'm a huge fan of Barbara Lockhart's. And she said, oh, well, one of the books that we have to review that's on my desk to be reviewed for the upcoming Delmarva Review is Barbara Lockhart's new uh, collection of short stories, The Night is Young. And I was like, oh, man, I loved that. You know, I I mean, I just devoured that book. Mm. And uh, she's like, oh, would you want to write a book review and and do that? And I was like, oh, I'd love to. And then I thought in my head, I have not done a book review in ages. I mean, maybe high school, but it's been forever. And so I was, I said, you know, absolutely, I would totally tackle that project. And uh, so then I had to, like, immediately Google how to write a book review. (laughs) Because I just I've never been asked for one. I haven't written one. I haven't thought about one. I'm not a big reader of book reviews. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not so I I wasn't really familiar with it.
1: The only book reviews that I read have read regularly were in like the New York Review of Books and and in the New Yorker, where it's the author of the of the review. It just uses a couple different books to make a larger point. Like I want to write an essay about this. And these are the three books that I want to say did a good or bad job of talking about this topic. Um, those are the ones that I really like to read. Those are really engaging. So how did you go about writing the essay?
0: I don't know that there's any particular like set formula. But I looked at a couple of different examples that were out in the one you just mentioned, New York Review of Books. And read several to kind of see. And some of them mentioned you talk about the cover. And some of them you know, you talk about maybe if there's any pertinent history to the author. I always author, feel like if it
1: mentions the cover... They were running out of words.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think so, but I think sometimes, you know, when you look at a book, the first thing you see is the cover, Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't draw you in, and I think the cover has to speak for the... Yeah, it has to speak for the book. And also, I mean, sometimes people have really amazing covers. And I think that is just I think in totality, maybe the cover is something that gets uh, discussed. Plus, Barbara Lockhart's daughter, Lynn Lockhart, who's oh, an so ing- that's
1: part of the story.
0: Yeah. So uh, her daughter, Lynn Lockhart, who's an incredible, incredible artist did the cover for Um. Barbara's book. So I kind of just hit the good old Google, read several, and I also knew kind of in my head what I want to say about Barbara Mm -hmm. and what I want to say about her writing, her style, her approach to characters, the way that she brings the Eastern Shore into her work. One of the things that I always kind of hate is when people take the Eastern Shore and look at it as just sort of this backwater, hillbilly, flat static thing and one thing that Barbara does not do is she will certainly show those sort of maybe backwater elements or that kind of redneck vibe but she doesn't only sell it in that package, you know, so it's a little more dynamic.
1: And also she's She's not from here, but she's been here long enough that she has an appreciation for the area and for the people. I mean, as, as do I like I like to I like to make fun a lot. It's one of my favorite things to do. But at, at the end of the day, I have a good sense of how the eastern shore is seen versus how it is. Right. And that's just because I used to see it, and now I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so having been on both sides as, as a come here, and then as a having come here for the last 30 years, you know, you get you get a sense of the ins and outs.
0: Yeah, and so... As I approached the book review, I kind of knew certain things I wanted to say. It was just a matter of what's the best formula and I think I had to be around 500 words and so I had to keep my fan-girling to a minimum right. when it comes to just wanting to go on and on and on about how much I love Barbara,
1: but Yeah, cuz 500 words is is not a lot. That
0: is not. No, it's really not. I mean, it you know, off the top, I mean to people who don't write I think five hundred words sounds oppressive, but when you do writing, you realize like that's like two pages double spaced. That's it. I mean, yeah. that's that's not much at all. And when you've got a lot to say about somebody, you know, trying to pick the most important parts. So, uh, but yeah, no, that.
1: Well, when I get when I get assignments that are in the five hundred range, I have to change what I think about because when you have eight to twelve hundred words to play with, then you can say, okay, here's a flowery catchy. Opening, but when you when it's five hundred words and out, you really have to you have you have to make some tough choices right off the bat. Like I want to say this, that, and the other thing, and how do they link together?
0: Right. And one of the other good parts of it was I was able to send it to Emily Rich ahead of time and say, "Hey, this is my first stab at a book review. Can you give me your feedback? Like what works, what doesn't?" And Mm. so she definitely gave me some really good feedback to work with, and then I was able to pass it back. So uh, it. They definitely didn't get the first blush at
1: it. Um, And when we started to talk about this process and getting things into the Delmarva Review, it reminded me of the poet James Arthur, who was a guest on our show. One of the things that he talked about was that you don't get published in large magazines or large reviews right off the bat. What you do is you start with smaller ones and kind of work your way up. And in that sense, getting essays published is very much like getting books published where you start with something smaller and then having proved yourself, you can you can kind of move up. I think a lot of times people get the misimpression that they've created this work of art and that they can have it published wherever wherever anyone has the you know, wherever 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 anyone has the insight to see their genius. Right. Right. And I'm sure that's true very rarely. Mostly, it's just kind of slogging away at getting these getting into these smaller, smaller reviews. And there are like four of them here, five of them here. There're a bunch of smaller publications that are good entries to starting. if you're interested in being a, a fiction uh, or if you're interested in getting published as a as a short story writer, or as an essayist or as a memoirist, these are good places to start because you can submit these 1,000, word pieces and get them published and see what it's like to... Many people think that when you get something published, you send it and they print it. And no, they say this is something we can work with and then you work with the editor to make sure that the story kind of fits what they are going for
0: absolutely and one of the as you were talking about that one of the things that came to mind recently was the rehoboth beach reads uh contest and you know that is a you know uh people submit their work. It's a short story about, you know, uh, the beach basically mm-hmm. preferably set in Rehoboth. I think it has to be set in Rehoboth for them, but you know, on Saturday, on, uh, on Sunday, November 12th, they're going to have the book release for that. So that, I mean, it's not necessarily a journal per se, but it is an opportunity for local writers to, you know, write a piece and, Typically speaking, for the Rehoboth Beach Reads short story contest, it's not real heavy work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not
1: beach reads. That's what it's.
0: It's beach reads right exactly. In, right in the title. So it's, yeah, right in the title. But it gives people, and it's not just that the first, second, third place judges. I mean, they will pick people who didn't necessarily place, but also the. Had worthwhile entries. Nancy Sakadusky of Cat and Mouse Press will make a book every single year based on that contest or that entry component. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of these submission components, although they are different, Mm -hmm. still will result in something that where a person could be published in the Delmarva Review or in the Beach Reads. Uh, short story collection. And both of those are yearly. And there, and there are great opportunities for local writers to start on a smaller level. I remember when James Arthur was on the, the the podcast, I said to him, like, how did you get into the New Yorker? And he's like, well, I didn't start there. you know." <laughs> right, exactly. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, that was a terrible question. But, you know, he said he just started small and figure out what works, what doesn't work, research the the journals that he was applying to and creating his good pieces. And then just slog away, start little and then you, and then you build up and maybe you get into the New Yorker or the new Republic. But, um, you know, like I said, the, the Delmarva review that comes out yearly, the Hoth beach reads, that's always a, those are good entry level starting places for local writers to mm-hmm. try their hand at getting into an actual journal of some sort.
1: and, it's also not a bad de- idea to get rejected because it's it's not an insult, rather, to get rejected. Because no. the process is, because you, you judged.
0: Yes, I was a judge for the Rehoboth Beach Reads along with uh, Barbara Lockhart, Bill Peak, Mary Power, Judith Reveal, and Laurel uh, Marshfield.
1: And only Judith hasn't been on the show yet.
0: Yes, so far only. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have um, to work on that.
1: And you were just five different people and you were mostly it was an aesthetic choice this is what i like this is what i like and then once everybody put in what they liked you had to pare it down to who's matched like if everyone liked it it went if three people liked it it got debated what was that process like
0: right so one thing i will say is Nancy Sakideski does an incredible job of running that contest. Now, she herself does not give any input into the contest. She basically kind of, um, like, assembles all the pieces, and then she's the one in charge of making sure that all the judges get their material and that all the judges are turning it back in, because it's, like, I guess it was like over a hundred stories mm. that have to be disseminated amongst the six of us, but she does a really good job of, um, there's like two rounds and in each round you get, you know, a, a chunk of stories. Maybe it's not a hundred. So maybe it's like 50 to 50, hundred. anyway. So you get like in the first round, we got a chunk of stories and we all had to rank them, and we had to, we didn't necessarily have to provide feedback, but what we had to provide to her, to Nancy, was a list of these are my top 10 in this round. Mm-hmm. And then in the next round, we got a totally different set of stories. And each judge was getting different stories at different times. Uh, in the next round, I had to. Uh, then again, pick my top 10. And then the third round was basically Nancy said, okay, in the first round, these were the top. In the second round, these were the top. Now in the third round, we have to look at all the top stories that came in. And then you had to pick, I think your top five or seven. And then at that point, once we kind of narrowed the pool down from however many it was down to kind of our handful, Uh, We all met at Nancy's house and sat around and we just basically said, okay, what were the top stories? And then at that point, um, we got to talk about this individual, the merits of the individual stories. Right, And it was really interesting because uh, Mary Power sat right next to me and her list was very different than mine. And Bill Peake had picked stories that I was kind of surprised by. And I think that was one of the things that was really cool for me was to see that different writers rose to the top for different judges. Mm -hmm. And I think when I get rejected, having been a judge, I'm a little less disappointed by the rejection because I know that the story that I fell in love with the most was not the story that two, and three other judges even had in their top 10. Uh, whose,
1: whose opinion you respected. And Absolutely. You didn't say that you were, that the story that you liked was not good. You just, they didn't get it in the way that you got exactly. it.
0: Exactly. And so I think sometimes when, you, when a writer will put a piece forward to a journal or a magazine or whatever it might be and get rejected, there's this sense of like, oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. However, having been a judge, I can tell you sometimes a piece just speaks or does not speak at all and depending on your judge you're gonna get i mean we had six people there and i think there were maybe like five top stories i think two judges had the same story that was the top for them Mm -hmm. i think judith reveal and mary power both had the top story was the same for them but that top story was not the top for the other four of us you know so it's One of those things, and I guess it kind of goes back to writing, and Patty and I were actually talking about this morning, and I said that's the thing that I think people forget about the judging component is that this is is very subjective. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, in baseball, like the most – the team that hits the home plate the most times is going to win the game, right? right? It's not like sports, where there's a definitive winner and loser. In in this sort of thing, it's very subjective. And I think that is the thing to kind of keep in mind when people are rejected.
1: So it can be, it can be kind of daunting only because there are so many places. If you type writing contest into the internet, you're going to get a billion returns. Right. Um, and right. so finding, the other thing is finding the right place for... Your story, um, because there are some magazines that also kind of have a way that they want to project themselves, and it doesn't necessarily mean that a story is good or bad. It's just that it doesn't fit their editorial bent. Right. So finding a place for your story is more than just writing a good story. It's also doing the research to see. What kind of things do these places publish? A great place that I've used before is called Submittable. We were talking about this yep, before. I use I that. use Submittable too. It kind of streamlines the process. There's often a fee. It's usually mm-hmm. not much. That's I usually judge by if it's not much of a fee. You know, I don't feel I don't want to feel like I'm being taken advantage of, but I also understand that it costs money to to have someone go through and look at your work and see if it's good enough or it fits.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing about Submittable, which is kind of cool, is it's a database where you can go and you can search fiction or nonfiction or poetry or, you know, you can kind of search by what to do now, what to do later. And so if you have a particular story, like I had a story recently and, you know, I shopped it around to a couple of different places. But what was a good experience was using Submittable to find different places, because when you're on Submittable, it'll give you what that literary magazine is looking for. What are the specs? Right. What is the fee? And as Nancy Sackadusky said, if it's free, you should be wary of any free contest. So I usually try to find the ones that are like 3, 5, 10, 15 bucks. Right. I usually try to look in there based on you know Nancy's advice, which was pretty sage. You can get a good sense of the literary magazine. There's usually links where you can look up past volumes, where you can get a sense of that magazine, what it's all about, who's been in it.
1: That's, that's the important part, especially is being able to read a couple stories. Or there are some magazines, there are some literary magazines where they'll, they'll say, you know, the last five years, one of our essays has been published in America's Best Essays. Right, And so that might be a little out of my league. (laughs) Yeah, I would be out of mine too. (laughs) And so you want to find something that you feel you have a good fit for and a good chance to get into only because there's so many to choose from. You want to try to make it count as much as you can.
0: Yeah, and I think research is key. I mean, anytime that I'm going to submit a piece to a literary magazine or journal or something like that, I'm going to do a good amount of research on what have they published, who's winning, what does it look like, what is the feel of the magazine. I don't just want to be like, oh, this one will take it and drop it in. I mean, I think as a writer, you want to be selective about where you go. But I also think if you see something big, why not shoot for it? Right. You know, I mean, but I also think that having a realistic expectation is is really healthy to go in. Well,
1: you, you want to be able to say, if you want to brag about it, you want to be able to say, I was in this proudly. You, you you don't want people to say, hey, what have you published recently? And you say, well, I had this thing and this thing, but I'm embarrassed to tell you both what I wrote and where, <laughs> and where, <laughs> where it was ended published. up." Yeah, you don't want to... <laughs> Sometimes you feel this desperation. Sometimes I feel this desperation to get something out there that's nothing but just vanity. It's not it's not I feel like I need to see, share a story. It's I haven't published something in a while. I really need to do it. And that's the kind of thing that I try to fight against and say no 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 no. Don't do something bad. There's no value in it, especially many um most of these journals don't don't pay, right? So there's there's if they pay there's a small stipend, but often especially for the small journals they you you get a copy of the book. Um, if you get published, which is which is fine, but you want to make sure that for all your effort, you're getting a copy of a book that you want. Right.
0: <laughs> and actually, there's another component. You said something earlier that I want to circle back to, and that's about there's also sort of an Sort of the indie self publishing sort of route in medium.com. And one of the cool things that medium is now starting to do is they're trying to move towards an opportunity where they can pay writers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for different articles that come through. And it's a place where you have the opportunity to get picked up by a larger um, aggregate of. St- of essays or different things. And in fact, our friend Jeff Smith, who was just on the podcast last time, he got a notice uh, yesterday that uh, fatherly.com saw a recent article that he did, that he posted on medium Mm -hmm. and they wanted to, push it out on their platform and there's things like the writing cooperative where you can submit on medium.com. So it's not just that uh, there's also just as in publishing, there's traditional and there's kind of the self publishing or the Mm -hmm. indie route. Also within you know, shopping essays, there's also the traditional of submitting to a magazine, submitting to a literary journal. There's also kind of this other part where if you, are really careful about the works that you're making and you want to put it out on something like Medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had a couple essays that I've put out on Medium. They are not pieces I would shop to a literary magazine, right. but they were pieces that I really worked hard to develop and found Medium was a place that I could post and actually did get some, some traction with the most recent
1: one. Well, and also Medium is filled with readers and writers as well. I mean, I, I've, I've written on Medium a couple of times, but I also, I also often read. I have the app and I've tried to get into the habit of checking that app instead of Facebook or Twitter just to kind of stay involved. I think for anyone who's not familiar with Medium but is familiar with, you know, Blogger, Medium is what I think that they had hoped Blogger would be except that was 20 years ago and that's not what blogger became, but it's kind of a, a more focused where instead of everyone having their own independent blog, everyone has, everyone contributes independently under their own name to a single blog. Right, um, And it's, it, it is, it is satisfying to get out those, those pieces that you don't want to put on your personal blog, but that aren't either appropriate or no, that just aren't appropriate for um, a literary magazine or for a, even a commercial magazine. Something that that is right in between, and that's that's what medium. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, right I in just, the middle. I just got that joke. Medium, very well done.
0: <laughs> but no, I think that it's a it's a good place where if you're having a lot of rejection in the sort of traditional kind of shopping of essays and stories going to medium is a good place. If you need a shot in the arm, you know, like the last uh, essay that I wrote and posted to medium ended up getting a lot of traction and ended up getting recorded as an audio story for uh, actually the medium. I got a, I got a note from one of their content editors that said, Hey, we really like this piece. We'd like to put it on the paid subscription service as an audio story and that was a really cool moment. Even though that was not being accepted by a literary journal, mm. it was in a sense It, it was vali- it was validation, it was validation that exactly.
1: It's not just good in your head, it's also good on paper.
0: Right. And it was a shot in the arm where after a couple of rejections from some literary journals to have the you know, the medium content editor say, Hey, we really like this story, I was like, Hey, I kind of still do know how to do this thing, you know? So, you know, and the rejection is good, but also you do need a shot in the arm every once in a while to keep plugging away and keep trying. And I think Medium is a good spot. My best advice would be if you're going to post something onto Medium, take the same care that you would if you were going to send it to a literary journal because if it gets found, you want it to be as good as it possibly can be. And
1: there are a lot of eyes on, on Medium. One of the things that I do is I write for... Uh, a couple of websites and medium has this great uh, program where you can import things you've written on other sites onto, onto medium. So more people see it than would see it on a normal, on a, on a smaller website. So when I contribute something to a smaller site, a lot of times I'll throw it on medium to see if, you know, other people, other people like it to get a wider audience than I could ever get on my own.
0: Yeah. And I even had an opportunity. I was even contacted by a large online story. I I don't know what they were. You know, when you kind of look an upworthy kind of, kind of thing, it wasn't upworthy, but it was one like that. And they had like 3 million viewers and all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to run my story, but um, it was kind of a personal one. And I wasn't really sure I wanted everybody to kind of, you know, <laughs> you didn't I didn't want three million either. people to see it. I mean, I was I was fine with like a couple hundred, but three million was a little like too much for me at that point. <laughs> one
1: point five million is really kind of my cap.
0: Yeah, okay. I really kind of got to cut it off at that point. But you know, <laughs> it, it, you can just as Jeff was seen recently, and the, and the medium content editor saw that one, and then I was approached by another one. Even though I said no to the second one, you know, it there are opportunities out there to have a lot of
1: eyes on your work. It's. But you do have to do the work. Sit down. You sure do. Write the stuff. Make sure it's spelled right or mostly spelled right. Yeah. And there's nothing else you can do. All right. So we're pulling up to the end here. And uh, real quick, we want to give you information about where you can get the Delmarva Review and the other things we spoke about.
0: Absolutely. To find the Delmarva Review, you can find it on Amazon by searching Delmarva Review. Or you can also go to com. Uh, If you want to look at Submittable, it's just Submittable.com, and Medium is certainly just Medium.com. They also have an app for your iPhones and iPads as well.
1: And this is Saturday the 11th when you're listening to this, so is the party public on the 12th?
0: Yeah, so it's the launch for the short story collection for Rehoboth Beach Reads. It's going to be at Browse About Books from 2 to 4, and... uh, Yeah, on
1: on Sunday the 12th. Browse About Books is in Rehoboth Beach. Sure is. It's downtown. It's on the left. Sure
0: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unless you've already made the turnaround, then it's on the right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're going to find it. You can't miss it.
1: And if you're interested in reading as well as writing, what are some things that other people can read?
0: Your limericks.
1: Absolutely. And how can they get them?
0: Sure. If you like the show and you like what you're hearing, you can go visit www.sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com. Click on the contact us. Give us your name. Pick a word. Give us your mailing address. Tony will take your word, put it into a limerick. I will put it into a haiku. We will put it on a fancy schmancy postcard. And we will drop a stamp on it, slap it in the mail.
1: Just like it's 1856.
0: It might come on a pony.
1: (laughs) All right, Stephanie. And now it's time for you to thank the listeners.
0: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We so appreciate it.
1: So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, then feel free to give us a good review.
0: Tell your story.